Hello, friendsies, and welcome to episode 48 of Healthy Teacher, Happy Teacher. On today's episode, I thought I would talk about my top five mistakes in the classroom (laughs) because I just love bashing myself in the face right before a new school year. (laughs) No, I just thought it could help you uh, reflect on your own practices. And if you're a new teacher or you're switching schools, maybe you could learn from my horrible mistakes. Dun, dun, dun. All right, let's get on with the show. It's going to be a good one. I'm going to really enjoying this. <laughs> okay. Are you feeling a little burnt out and exhausted this school year? Healthy Teacher, Happy Teacher podcast is here to get you through the hard weeks. We will be tackling tough topics while addressing self-care tips and tricks to help you live your best life. I'm your host, Jessica Martin, a coffee-drinking teacher and tech coach working on my own health journey as I pursue happiness in my teacher life. I am so happy you're here with me today, and I can't wait to share all the things with you. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back to the show, Frenzies. Okay, so before we start this stellar episode... It took me a long time to think of the word stellar, so I hope you appreciate that. (laughs) Anyway, I would like to read one of my written reviews on iTunes. It is the nicest thing you can do for any podcaster, probably anyone in general. I mean, have you ever written a review about your best friend? How about your mom? I'm sure they deserve one. (laughs) Oh, this is going to be a weird show. You can already tell. Okay, so this uh, this one is from Allie Franklin. It's my newest review because I was too lazy to scroll down, but I am going to. I'm going to. On my depressed weeks, I'm going to scroll down probably in about three weeks after the first week of school, feeling really bad about myself. I'm going to come here and I'm going to read these reviews and get myself pumped up again. Anyway, okay. <clears throat> This is again, this is from Allie Franklin. Allie, if you're listening, please send me a message on Instagram. I'll be sure to put you on my list for some happy mail. Happy mail. Who doesn't love happy mail? All right. Um, Love, love, love. I love this podcast. It shares practical advice and feels like talking with a friend. I especially love the episodes regarding finances. Very few teachers talk about this on their podcast, but their financial pot, but financial, the financial podcast, oh gosh, <laughs> tend to be for people in a higher pay grade. I also love your self-care and TPT focused podcast. Keep it up. Thank you so much, Allie. I really appreciate it. Again, send me a message. I'll get you on my happy mail list. Uh, Kelly and um, Julie, I have not forgotten about you too. <laughs> Wouldn't it be funny if I just like the rest of the life of the show, I just give Kelly and Julie shout outs because of their happy mail not getting there yet. <laughs> uh, it would be funny. Anyways, so yeah, let's uh, let's get on with the show. I'm really excited. And if you haven't listened to my financial podcast, they're kind of in the beginning of the show. I think I might have done like a three-part series, but I am, I, I was a finance major. I say was because, I mean, like I still have the degree, but obviously I took a different course in life. <laughs> so I do have a finance background and I am really passionate about helping people like figure out how to build wealth or just like there's some really common, easy things you can do as a teacher. Like even if you're not really making that money or you're like living paycheck to paycheck, there are some things you can do to change your course and to actually build wealth for yourself. And it's really weird to me that 
school districts and um, admins and just, you know, people running school districts don't really share more of those tips with teachers because, I mean, teachers deserve to be wealthy too. And there are a lot of careers that when you like making the same amount as teachers, like you start out making, you know, 30, 40 grand a year. And that's like one of the first things they do is they talk to you about how to build a retirement and how to build your portfolio. And so it's always baffled me a little bit when um, when uh, school districts don't treat teachers the same or public servants in general. I, I think it's bizarre. So yeah, you should go listen to those right now, but not right now. Not right right now. You listen to this episode first. You don't hop around. I'm just kidding. You can do whatever you want. Okay, let's get on with the show. And welcome back to episode 48 of Healthy Teacher, Happy Teacher. I am your host, Jessica Martin, and I go by the whimsical teacher online because I'm a big flippin' weirdo, and I just felt like the weirdo teacher didn't have the same kind of ring as the whimsical teacher. So anyways, yeah, if you ever want to find me, just Google me. Who knows what you'll come up with. (laughs) probably all my old like ugly TPT logos from like five years ago, but you might find me somewhere. You never know. (laughs) All right. So on today's episode, I wanted to dish about my five uh, biggest mistakes in the classroom as a teacher, as a human being. No, I might not go that far. (laughs) Oh boy. Did I mention it's 5am right now? Like, what are you doing up so early? (laughs) Just kidding. Now I'm just talking to myself. All right. So I I didn't know whether I should like list them each like one by one. I can go back and do like a do like a deep dive. (laughs) Isn't that a new thing? Like you need to do a deep dive into this information. (laughs) But I just thought I would hash out my five biggest mistakes. And I don't want to make this I, I, I put out a lot of like hour long episodes and they were really important because, you know, I did, you know, like I, I just got back from a couple weeks in New Zealand. I mean, you can't dish about that in less than an hour and the TPT conference. And so a lot of my episodes this summer have been really long, but it's just because I haven't been podcasting as much and I have more to catch you guys up on. So I'm hoping to make this a little shorter episode and I'm looking at the clock like it's staring me in the face like this isn't going to be short at all. <laughs> okay. So here's my first biggest mistake. And I'm kind of going to go through my years of teaching and hopefully, you know, just kind of grab out the biggest ones. And I, I did talk a lot about my first year teaching being kind of a nightmare year. I had a super bad admin. I was at kind of a, I don't know, it was a school that needed a lot of healing. <laughs> that's all I can say. It was a school that's been deeply hurt by society and its norms. And it was a it was a it was a rough situation. So you should go and listen to that episode if you ever want to just hear about like, wow, that's pretty bad. Someone actually messaged me about the episode last night. And I was like, yeah, I actually left a lot out of that episode. (laughs) Like I actually didn't even mention the worst things that happened, because it would just be too it it would be too wild. Like I don't I don't want to leave you with nightmares after this podcast. (laughs) Okay. So my first biggest uh, mistake, I think, as a teacher in the teaching profession is, you know, I did start a little bit later in life. I didn't get my first teaching job until I was about 30. I might have been 29. I don't know. I think I was 30. 
And I was a little bit prideful, you know, I was thinking, well, I've already been out in the workforce for 10 years and blah, blah, blah. This is my second degree. I know everything. And I did not go to my, my admin with problems. And I think that was my biggest, like, like, that was my first year mistake, just being a little too prideful, like, I can handle this, I can do anything, I survived student teaching, you know, and so I think that, you know, go to your admin as soon as you have problems, makes things a lot easier, and you do have to kind of know your you have to be able to kind of pick up on how much your admin's willing to deal with too. And you could ask other teachers in your building, like, Hey, like, so how often do you go uh, to so-and-so for your problems? And I mean, it just really depends on the, the kind of management style that that person has. Some people are a little more hands off and then some people want to know everything going on in the building at all times. And so it does take a little bit of like uh, peopling, <laughs> to understand, you know, how much you should be contacting your administrator. But definitely if you have a serious problem, like a fight in class or a a student who's being extremely disrespectful or, you know, something that keeps you awake at night, these are all signs that you should probably go to your admin and just be like, hey, I just want to touch base with you. This is what's going on. This is how I've responded because they're going to ask you that. They're going to say, what have you done? Uh, and this is, you know, this is what I need help with. And as soon as I started doing that, my teaching career went a lot easier. But like I said, my first year, I was just very prideful. I just thought I had everything together and that I knew everything and I didn't go to my admin. And then that started us off on a really bad foot. And then I was targeted the rest of the year as being sort of incompetent. <laughs> so anyway, that's my first tip. Go to your admin with weird problems, kind of feel out the other staff members about your admin, like, you know, how involved are they? Do they want to know every little thing? I mean, I've had admin that are very absent and just sort of, I don't know, like you might see them like once a week wandering in their office. And then I've had admin that are just into everybody's business. They send out 25 emails a day. And then I've had a lot of admin in between that. So like you just have to kind of find out the personality of that person and uh, do what it takes to maintain a good relationship. That is very key to your success and happiness, whatever you need to do. Okay, so my second mistake, and this was probably my third year teaching, I uh, I let my classroom get unorganized. I let it become a, a mess. And what had happened is my uh, second year teaching went really well. I was trying to rebound from the bad first year. And then I started my TPT store and all summer I worked on TPT more than my classroom. And then I went back and everything was just um, a mess. I didn't spend any hours in the summer cleaning up from the year before. Like I still had old student work everywhere. And it was just a hot mess. And then that school year, that third school year started out really, really bad because I was so unorganized. And just the class kind of ate me alive because kids know if you have your stuff together, um, your bleep together, they know they are like predators, right? They can tell like the second that you're being disorganized and you're a hot mess, they will, they will latch onto that and, 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 and drag you through the water like sharks, right? <laughs> 
And that's kind of what happened to me my third year. So anyway, that would be my second mistake is just having an unorganized classroom um, and, and being kind of disheveled, having piles of junk everywhere. This is really, really bad for maintaining order and for commanding respect from the students because the students are looking at their environment and they're sort of judging you uh, and how, how much you're going to discipline them or your behavior based on like your desk and piles of junk everywhere. Everywhere. And I, I mean, there's a lot of teachers out there that say, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, da, 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 da. But for me, it always has. It's always been like when my classroom is super organized and um, just, just looks really nice and I know where everything is and there's no piles of paper anywhere um, and, you know, everything is running smoothly, uh, student behavior tends to be a bit better and I am more relaxed and happy. So that's something that I, I do have to sort of suck it up. And because I'm not naturally a very like super organized and neat person. I'm more of like a hoarder. <laughs> and <laughs> I mean, I don't know what you want to make of that, but that's just who I am. Like I, I'm kind of a stacker. I got piles of things and boxes of things and they're not that organized. And I like the act of organizing, but I get so, you know, excited about other projects that I put organizing things on the back burner. And so I really have to make a conscious effort as a teacher to stay organized and to spend like sometimes I spend one day a week just organizing things and it really does make the classroom life better and it cuts down on the bad behaviors and I never really believed it until I had that bad third year and then since then I've tried to be really, really organized and every year has just gotten better and better. And kids listening right now will be like, oh, your desk is a mess. What are you talking about? Well, you know, the last couple of years I've been a tech coach, so I'm allowed to have a messy desk. But this year, no, no messy desk. It's going out the window. Well, talk to me in October. I'll probably change my mind about all of this. Okay, let's move on. Okay, third mistake, I would say, you know, and this one's really hard for me because I have social anxiety disorder and I'm kind of a weirdo, but, you know, not socializing with my coworkers more um, like I'm pretty bad about eating lunch in the in the staff room and every school has been different. You know, there's been some schools that, you know, I feel more connected to the coworkers and some schools I don't. But it definitely makes your life better if you can have a couple coworker pals that are like your best buddies. And I think about my best years of teaching and I had like coworker best friends, right, that I still talk to to this day. So really forging relationship, relationships with your coworkers are so important because they're going through the same things you're going through. And, you know, it's just, I don't know, it's, it's a difficult situation depending on like where you live and you know, the, the school culture. But I would say when you get a chance, socialize with your coworkers, even if it kind of goes against your nature, it's probably been my biggest mistake. Like there was just so many years that, you know, there was like <clears throat> parties and stuff, uh, coworker events, and I would just skip them all because I was exhausted. And I just wanted to go home and relax. And that was probably a big mistake, you know, eating lunch in the staff room, 
And right now I'm really bad about it. I don't, I don't do that right now. Um, and it definitely makes a huge difference between your relationships with coworkers when you don't eat lunch with them. They think that you're being kind of a stuck up snob when you don't do it. Um, my situation is kind of unique because I, I work at a four day school. We have extra long school days and I find that my skin is just crawling being in this building for 10 hours a day. And I don't know how, I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they stay <laughs> in the buildings. I really like going home, even though it's only like a 25 minute lunch. I really enjoy leaving the building and getting some fresh air and eating lunch out and about. So it is a unique situation, but I would say whenever you get a chance, you know, eat lunch with your coworkers and go to their social events. That's probably been kind of a sore area for me just because I do have a lot of social problems and I'm not the best at relating to other adults, uh, especially in my geographical area. <laughs> I don't know what you want to make of that. <laughs> but I mean, I had an easier time as a substitute when I was working in a bigger city. I, I, I felt like I had a little bit more uh, ease connecting with other adults. So anyway, that, that is one of my suggestions is even if you don't really feel like, oh man, this is like definitely where I want to be forever, you know, just do your best to forge those relationships. My next tip, my, my fourth mistake I would say is starting out on a bad foot with parents and really it's so simple. Like the easiest way to not start out on a bad foot is just don't ever say anything negative about kids to their parents. And I know that's a hard pill for a lot of people to swallow. And sometimes you do need to talk to parents about bad behavior, right? But when it's the only time parents hear from you as bad behavior this and bad behavior that, it really, really sets you up for failure with the parents. Because a lot of parents now are not really they're, they're having problems disciplining their children too. It's kind of the culture, right? And so you reminding them that they're, you know, not doing, like it makes them feel inadequate. Like they're not doing such a hot job when you're coming and complaining about their kids all the time. And I know like a lot of people are probably nodding their heads. Oh yes, I do a lot of positive parent communication, but you sending a newsletter home is really like, I mean, that might fly for your evaluations, but that's not really what I mean. Like newsletters and notes are fine, but when people meet you in real life for parent-teacher conferences and you don't just have like, you know, 12 amazing things to say about their kids, it's probably going to not be the best relationship, right? Like they, they want to sit down at the table with you and just hear about how awesome their kid is because they're feeling insecure about their parenting. They're feeling you know, especially if the kid has a lot of problems, they're just feeling like this is the worst time of their life to always go to these parent-teacher conferences and hear everything bad about their kids. And that's why a lot of them just stop going. I have several friends from high school who had kids quite young as teenagers. And honestly, they just stopped going to parent-teacher conferences because they're so sick of always hearing bad things about their kids that they stopped participating. They just stopped going and they just kind of didn't take the teacher's uh, advice very seriously. And then, you know, their kids obviously ended up dropping out of school because of that bad parent-teacher relationship. So think about that. And a lot of times it starts in like fourth, fifth, sixth grade um, when kids are, you know, they're testing the waters and 
you know, it's pretty easy to pick out bad things happening with them. You know, they're not so cute anymore. <laughs> Maybe you're not the biggest cheerleader for them anymore, right? So anyway, that is that has been one of my mistakes. And I kind of, I kind of just, I mean, I don't want to say I didn't experiment, but I noticed one year, I was like, wow, you know, <clears throat> these 10 parents, I just have such an awesome relationship with, but then these 10 parents, ooh, you know, and I was thinking about all my interactions with them and how, well, the, those, the 10 parents that the, was like one half of my class, I just love those parents and they were always helping and being super positive and they were, you know, their kids had great attitudes. And then the other half of my class, mm, not so much, really awkward. Parents weren't really helping much. Kids were still having kind of bad behavior. And I realized that it was more on me. It was more on me giving out kind of bad recommendations, um, not bad recommendations, but starting with the bad during parent-teacher conferences or only talking to them when bad things happen. So the next year I flipped it up and I was like, instead of you know, starting off with like, oh, so-and-so needs to improve on this, this, and this, like, I would just save like maybe two recommendations at the very end of a parent-teacher conference. And I would just start with all these glowing reviews and, you know, just like, oh my gosh, I love having so-and-so in class. You know, he is so funny and quirky. What a, what a crazy sense of humor he has, you know, like every bad thing I would like try to flip into a good thing. And that year went so much better. Like all of the bad kids straightened out by the end of the year. And all those bad parents who I had heard nightmare stories from, from my coworkers, they were all volunteering to help in my classroom. And they were very, very kind and cordial. And I had heard from my coworkers like, oh, be, beware of that mom, beware of that dad. Oh, they're a real bear, blah, 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 you know? And uh, when I started out with just like, oh my gosh, your kid is so amazing and cool. And these are like 10 things I love about them. Um, instead of like, well, look at this reading test score. It's uh, below average. Or look at this. They went down 10 points on this test. Or, well, they seem to have a D minus in math right now. I don't know what we're going to do. Or their desk is messy. and They can't, they can't organize any of their stuff. You know, whenever I started out on that kind of foot, it was just, um, it was bad. And like, sometimes I'd have really concerned parents like, yeah, you know, their behavior has not been the greatest at home. And can you just dish it to me straight and just tell me what's really going on? And then I would be a little more honest when the parents seem more vulnerable and like willing to like hear the bad. But you know, 90% of the parents, they just want to hear the good stuff because they don't get enough of it from the schools. So anyway, that is, those are my those are my last two tips. Well, I mean, I have one more, but it just you know, parents and coworkers. You know, we have a job where we're dealing with a lot of people, and I like to see it as a customer service type job. <laughs> like, how would you like the parents really are your customers, right? I mean, they are the taxpayers, they are your customers, and how what can you do to make them happy? And I know that's kind of makes some people skin crawl and they just want to complain and gripe. And, and I'm just telling you that your year will go a lot easier if you can find a way to just flip all of those negatives into positives. 
Okay, my last big mistake would be prioritizing school life over home life. It's really difficult in our profession to, you know, like uh, being a teacher is so consuming because you're dealing with so many different relationships. A relationship with your coworkers, your boss, the kids, the school board, parents. I mean, you got a lot of players in your life and it's really, really easy to be sucked into other players' drama. And the only, you know, drama you should be concerned with is that in your own house, right? Like you need to be concerned about the relationships with your family, your friends, because those ones are going to last longer than your school relationships. And so those should always be prioritized over things happening at school. And I think this is the toughest, toughest pill for teachers to swallow. I remember in grad school, I had the task of interviewing three retired teachers and just asking them, you know, you know, what did they learn? What were their biggest mistakes? You know, like, how can I do things differently? Right. And each one of the three teachers I interviewed said their biggest regret was not spending more time with their own families or nurturing the relationships with their spouses or their partners. Each one seemed to have these deep regrets about putting a little too much of themselves into school because now that they're retired, they realize that those relationships were very short term, even though it was important. And, you know, it probably meant a lot to students at the time um, it didn't really serve them well later in life, where now um, several of them had gotten divorces or had had strained relationships with their own children, had regretted losing a bunch of friendships, all because they were pouring so much of themselves into their teaching career, which actually had an expiration date. It feels like it's going to last forever, but it doesn't. It's just one little chunk of your life. And so that's kind of how I wanted to end the show is that like a lot of this show has been about, you know, your relationships with people, right? Like you want to have a good relationship with your boss, your coworkers, your, the parents of your students, you know, um, but the most important relationship is other than the one with yourself is the one with the people that you live with, like in your house and your, you know, maybe if, if you don't have a partner, your parents or your family members. It's the people that are, who's going to be here 40 or 50 years? Like, who do you still want to know from, from this point? It's probably not going to be the people from school. Those are very short-term relationships. And even though they're important to keeping you happy and healthy through the school year, you cannot prioritize school stuff over personal life stuff. Like, so whatever you need to do, whether you need to go to counseling or or you need to get on, like, whatever you need to do to get on the right track with people at home again, I do recommend doing that because I, I have talked to more teachers that are retired since then. And that usually is a, a really big concern. It's like, well, I spent a little too much time in my classroom and not enough time at home. We're all given the same amount of minutes in the day. And this is why I tell a lot of people that <clears throat> I'll never become teacher of the year. I'm never going to have all of these uh, accolades after my name because I'm never going to want to give up the relationship with my husband or my parents or my good friends or 
my stepdaughter or um, my other family members. Like I don't want to give up those relationships because those fulfill me on a deeper level than any relationship I can build at school. And I know that those, like if I get sick or injured, I mean, those are the relationships that are going to keep me going. And having been on my deathbed before, (laughs) I, uh, I almost died in high school in a horrible car accident. It really, uh, it really put things into perspective for me, even back then, you know, where I had been so involved with like school and activities and, um, different clubs and things I thought were important, but like who was by my side on my deathbed when I was in ICU for four days, it was my mom and dad, you know, and how many of those club members or teachers came to visit me or other students in the hospital, a very tiny, tiny, tiny handful. Um, So it's just something to keep in mind, you know, as you go into this school year, always put those personal relationships first uh, school can always wait. Um, you just you need you need systems in place so you're not spending a long time at school. Uh, I've heard that Angela Watson's 40-hour work week is amazing for developing systems that will just save you time at school so you can spend more time um, at home. And that's like a course that opens up a couple times a year. I'm not an affiliate for it, but I've heard from a lot of people that it'll um, help you put in systems in place. So you are really only spending 40 or, you know, 45 hours at your job a week and you're not spending like 60 to 80 hours a week there because all the hours, extra hours you spend at school, I think sometimes as teachers, we wear those hours as a a badge of honor, right? Like, well, I spent 60 hours. Would I spend 80 hours? I mean, and it's really just more sad because it's, those are hours you're not spending with the people that would be there for you on your deathbed, right? And you gotta, you gotta think about that as time goes on because you never know when you're going to get sick or when you're going to be injured. You never know when those relationships are going to mean the most to you. So anyway, well, that was kind of a sad, depressing note, wasn't it? I think I said deathbed like 10 times. (laughs) Anyway, frenzies, I hope you keep these things in mind as you go into the next school year. And yeah, take good care of yourself. Remember, you are number one going into this school year and you need to do what makes you happy. You. (laughs) So long. You've just finished listening to Healthy Teacher Happy Je- Happy Jessica. What? <laughs> oh no, I don't know how to stop. <laughs> <laughs>